Welcome to His Beloved Catholic Podcast with Kendra Bartlett and Megan Copeland. Hey friends, welcome back to the His Beloved Podcast. I'm Megan Copeland and I am so glad you are here. We are kicking off our third year of the podcast with our very first guest. Miss Catherine Whitaker is back and Catherine is a good friend of ours. She lives near us in Austin, Texas and it's been two years since we've had her on the podcast. And Catherine is an author and two years ago she wrote the book Live Big, Love Bigger. Getting real with barbecue, sweet tea, and a whole lot of Jesus. (laughs) She is a Texas girl at heart, as you can tell from the title of her book. She loves Dr. Pepper, and she loves Jesus. And uh, she just recently launched her second child to college. And uh, we're just soaking in some wisdom from her today. We talk about motherhood. We talk about what it's like to let go of your children. And I'm telling you, she had me so close to tears more than I've ever been in a podcast. I was not sure I would be able to recover (laughs) from that conversation and keep going. Uh, We also talk about loving others, encountering them, evangelization. And we even have a little conversation about Shia LaBeouf, which if you follow me on Instagram, you know, I am very, very passionate about right now. (laughs) And uh, it's just a beautiful conversation. I hope you enjoy. If you would like to hear her original conversation. It was episode four of our podcast. So go back and give that one a listen if you want some backstory on Catherine. All right, guys. Hope you enjoy. Hey, friends. Welcome back. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. So guess what? We I thought this would be a great way to start out our season. Uh Our very first guest is back. Yay. You were the oh, very first no guest. Do you remember yeah. that? You were the first. You were the first. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. You were the very first guest that we had. Catherine Whitaker. Should probably say her name. <laughs> is here. <laughs> and I figured out this morning on Facebook that three years ago we threw the um, party for her for her book launch was really? today. Three years ago today, or maybe it was yesterday, and I posted it today. I'm not really sure. That sounds about right. But it po- popped yeah. up today on my Facebook. That's so I was like, so crazy that that was three. When you said that, that's three, three years, years ago. Oh, no. I know. And honestly, I wonder when we actually recorded with you. We I feel like this is like Catherine week. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they've done that. Yeah, because that was pre-pandemic. Wow. And then we started the podcast in 2020. Yeah. So it's also like our two-year anniversary, which is really Congratulations, yeah. y'all. Yay, so anyways, exciting. It felt fitting to have Catherine come back. Oh, I'm so happy. It's been two years. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of life has happened for you since then. A lot of life, actually. Yeah. You have two kids now in college. I do. And with a, a, with a third, With a third getting ready to go. Yeah. <sighs> I'm still so young, just in case you're You are. Wondering. You are so young, and I love it so much. Awesome. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so we start with questions and I've, this is a podcast, so this easy. is a good format. Yeah. I like this. <laughs> yeah. Fun questions. Silly questions. Silly ones. Um, and they're not really too silly, but, um, I would just love to know. Okay. So my husband loves bacon okay. and as a youth minister, people would bring him random stuff that was flavored bacon <laughs> like and you love Dr. Pepper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you ever gotten anything weird flavored Dr. Pepper that ended up being good or gross or anything? So people assume, I think it's, I forget who makes them, but they're Dr. Pepper bean, like flavored beans. Oh, like jelly, jelly beans? beans? No, no. Oh, um, oh. not jelly beans? No, the jelly beans are fantastic. These are like baked beans that, that taste, you know, because sometimes you'll okay. make like uh, a yeah. pork or a brisket and you'll marinate it
in, in all like, forms. The the sweet beans, like sweet if they're baked yeah. beans, um, yeah. there's baked sweet beans, but then there's just like straight bushes, up, sugar. Those are disgusting. Yeah, I don't like yeah. those either. So then when oh, you add yeah. Dr. Pepper, I'm like, mm, mm-hmm. those are oh, going to get donated so to the food pantry. That's funny. <laughs> what about the Dr. Pepper wings at Pluckers? Have you had those? I have not had those. I'm They're not pretty a, good. I'm not a huge fan of Dr. Pepper flavored yeah, things. Yeah, me neither. Just I just, give me the Dr. Pepper. Stick to the good stuff. I'm right? a huge Why Dr. Are we Pepper. Why flavor other things? <laughs> right. Just give me the Dr. Pepper. I'm a huge yeah. Dr. Pepper fan too. And so my kids got me like the Dr. Pepper flavored chapstick. Like, And I don't even use it, mm-hmm. but I just leave yeah. it on the Now, on I did have sale. a Dr. Pepper candle. So they know candle. that you kept it? I got a Dr. Pepper oh, candle. Oh, I've never smelled that. <laughs> it was really good. The kids were like, oh, this smells good. I'm like, that's Dr. Pepper. But again, I wasn't eating it. I was right. just smelling it, right. which I do like the smell of Dr. Pepper. Right. So <laughs> I just, if you're going to flavor something, just give me the straight up thing. That's yeah. awesome. I don't that's need awesome. you to flavor anything. Yeah. Chris got a bacon flavored chapstick and it was disgusting. That sounds nasty. It was, yes, it was Everything you think it would be, it was. It was horrible. It was horrible. Oh, that sounds terrible. Um, So in your social media posts, I always see these stacks of books that you're attacking. And I'm so impressed by how much you are able to read. Yeah. Don't you read like, you can read like a whole book in three days or something? In a day. So I read read, uh, the Harry Potter seven book series in four days. What? I'm a crazy fast reader. Wow. But did you do speed reading classes? No, I'm just a fast reader. Okay. I think... Now, I will say this. There are some books that I read that you have to sit down and really reflect upon, mm-hmm. and I can't read those as fast because yeah. those are meant to be yeah. um, pondered, mm-hmm. and then other books are meant to be digested. Yeah. So th- yeah. these I can wow. digest pretty quick. But That's impressive. So because I read fast, and I only read books, I'll, I might get a couple of chapters in, and if it hasn't, I'm like, eh, and we're done. I don't that waste my time. That makes you feel so much better. Okay. Oh, no, I don't waste my time. Because I rarely finish a book. But I don't know, amount of time. it's not by choice. Voice usually is because I'm like, oh, I forgot about that one. Um, but that makes me feel better that I have the ability. I can well, put it down and say away. I'm done. I will say this. It's been years since uh-huh. I have sat down and really read a bunch of books. And when I logged off social media this summer, the kids, it was summertime, you know, mm-hmm. they do the summer reading programs. And so I decided to start reading books too, because I had, so I finally dusted off my Goodreads account that I started like seven years ago <laughs> and started putting books in there because people would always say, oh, you should read this book. And then I would always forget it. Right. right. So now I just put it in my want to read pile. And then I decide right. later if I'm actually going to read it. But then there's some accountability. Like I like reading the bad reviews of books because uh-huh. I always want to know what people hate. I don't know. I did that even when That's I wrote my own book. That's I don't funny. read the good reviews. I read the bad reviews because I want to know what the weaknesses are in the book uh-huh. and if I can overcome those and enjoy it. So I'm so weird. But, um, <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and I don't, I don't usually give books five-star reviews. Like you have to uh-huh. be an exceptional book to get a five-star review from me. I'm <laughs> sort of picky. <laughs> but I think there's room for improvement. I wouldn't even get my own book five stars. Like I look back and read it and I'm like, that could have been better. So (laughs) I think that reading about things that are healing or things that are encouraging, or even like I love true crime. So that was my palate cleanser. Mm -hmm. And I can blaze through that one anytime, anytime you have a true crime book. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll read that. So So this year, what's been your favorite book so far? If you can put one. (laughs) Mm. Probably the book that was the most transforming for me was a book called The Courage to Grieve by Judy. Mm -hmm. I think it's Tattlebaum is how you say her last name. Mm -hmm. It was really talking about the universality of grief, that everyone is going to grieve something. It could be a person. It could be um, an experience, a lost something. But we all lose something Mm -hmm. in our lives. But her particular book wasn't, I wouldn't necessarily say that it was deeply Catholic or spiritual. It was just about the universality of grieving Mm. and then what it looks like to be courageous in your grief. 
and I don't take notes with books. And I took three pages of notes. Wow. And there were some really beautiful things that she shared in there, mostly about just grieving the thing that you thought you were going to have and it's no longer there and giving you permission to Mm -hmm. feel your feelings. But there were many moments in that book that I read it and thought, man, it's nice to be seen. It's Mm -hmm. nice to read this and feel seen. And that was, so for people that don't know, my dad passed away 18 months ago. This is the first book that I read on grief. I didn't want to read books on grief. I wasn't interested in reading about how other people died and how other people dealt with that. I was not in a place to do that. So this was the first time that I gave myself permission to read a book about grief. Mm -hmm. And several people had recommended it. And then since then, I've read a lot of books about grief. But that Mm -hmm. one was sort of the one that started it. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's good. Um, but I also read Unmasked by Paul Holes, which was about the Golden State Killers. So there's a good path cleanser. That one was You've actually was exceptional. It was, was really, it? Really? really good. Yes. Okay, I love true crime on documentaries, but I've never read a book. Is it? So he, does it get to be too much? Like, does it make you? Well, it makes you like, oh my scared? gosh! Even though you know how it ends, it's so fascinating for me the process that it takes someone to delve into the mind of a serial killer, but also to maintain normalcy, but how they methodically go through and put all the pieces of the puzzle. Because when you look back in true crime, you can see the pieces of the puzzle, Uh but their job is to find the pieces of the puzzle and then start to put them together. Uh And he's basically what CSI is on TV, but how he worked with other agencies and just the true crime industry, what that looks like on a real everyday basis is not nearly as glamorous and much more taxing on the human, on the human soul. And so to me, it's fascinating that there are people in the world and also uh, deeply healing to know that there are people in the world whose job it is, it is to make sure that other people can't irreparably harm Mm -hmm. another human being. Mm -hmm. So they dedicate their whole life. Do you ever feel like, I always think about Joey on Friends where he has to put the book in the freezer because it gets to be too much when he's reading (laughs) The Shining. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. (laughs) Like that is always my thought. Whenever I'm reading it, I'm like, I need to put the book in the freezer. (laughs) I need to be safe from this book right now. (laughs) Do you ever get to that point? Mm, no, I just read faster. Because you're, you're just so <laughs> just, fast. You're probably like zoom through it. So you don't have I mean, time to like. And that book took me a little over a day. Okay. So you're not living in this world for like a month. See, my problem is I would be in, oh, in no. his head oh, yeah, for a month. I need closure. Right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I know how it's like watching a show. Okay. I could do that. That's I could funny. do that. No, I need the end. <laughs> yeah. And I need it faster. Yeah. Sooner rather than later. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Last question. What is feeding your soul right now? Oh, Tom with actual people in my life. Mm. Um, I'm in a season where my kids are in school most of the day. And so I have, as my seventh grader came up the other day and said, what do you do all day? <laughs> and I looked at him as, cause he's basically wording it as you basically do nothing all day. <laughs> but I, I see the gift in Tom and that there's some things that I've volunteered for things that I do and that God is putting people back into my life that I haven't seen in a while or putting the right person in front of me that I need to be present to. And sometimes it's me giving them wisdom, but more often it's me just listening and being grateful that maybe this particular thing has brought us together in this particular season. And it's so much more fulfilling and gratifying than social Mm -hmm. media. I love social media. I think there is a place for it. I feel called to be there, but what really feeds my soul is seeing actual people and making really good memories in that moment. Yeah. It's good. Be where yeah. your feet are. That's yeah. what a good friend always reminds me to do. And I, I think that's that. what I'm trying to do. I love yeah. that so much. That's so beautiful. You intentionally took a big step back from social media and 
you have a fantastic following on social media. And it's so funny because most of the time you're just like sharing your life. And I'm like, I watch every, every little, <laughs> I'm the one that's like, Oh, let's see what Catherine's doing in her closet today. Like I just, because you invite us into your world, but then you also share so much of your heart and you also very authentic, very authentic. And you also continue to kind of push people towards a little bit more love and a little bit more openness and a little bit more generosity and a little bit more like let's meet in the middle. And I think because of that, maybe you've gotten some backlash because you kind of <laughs> push the envelope in a good way, in a very, very healthy way that we need. Um, but you intentionally decided to take a step back. Do you want to share some of that with us? Yeah. In the spring, um, I think after you go through a loss, you go through a lot of different stages, some all on the same day and some over a period of time. But I noticed in the spring as we were getting ready to launch our second kid into the world that I was really struggling, not just with the launch, but just with a lot of things. And um, I knew it was really bad when, I mean, there were days that I would not get out of my bed. I didn't want to go socialize with people, which for an extreme extrovert, I mean, I knew that it was bad. So I decided that I had reached a point in my life that I, I can either continue down this road and really struggle or I can just shut it all down. And I think I was at the point that it wasn't like, sometimes when people give up social media, they'll say, oh, I like, I wasn't sure how this was going to affect me or what I was going to do, but I don't really feel like I had a choice. Right. And um, I needed, and, and, and in addition to being off social media, I actually unfollowed everyone that I was following. And I worried, you know, as we do in the 21st century, that if we unfollow people, will they still mm-hmm. believe that we're friends? Even though their phone is in my cell phone, um, the only people that I continue to follow were my kids and my husband wow. and a couple of priests, but I intentionally yeah. unfollowed everyone mm-hmm. because I needed, if I had the temptation to go on social media, there was nothing in my feed to see. Right. And so that space allowed me to step away from that, to step into the world of reading again. But also we did this uh 30 day challenge with the kids and our job was to go to the pool 30 days in a row. And so out of 34 days. So we start at the end of June. Uh, we went 32 of the 34 days. Wow, That's impressive. (laughs) Every day I had the best tan of my life. And, um, (laughs) but also the kids knew, and even my seventh grader looked at me and he said, man, summer mom is so much fun. And I'm like, you should make late mom because lake mom is even more fun than summer mom. (laughs) So it just was, a reorientation of the heart. And I, I don't know, I may do it again because it Mm -hmm. gave me my summer. And also knowing that our son was leaving, it's, it's precious time. And we have done it once before and you do not get it back. Mm -hmm. And there were so many things that we did together as a family or things that I witnessed that I would never have been able to be witness to had I been on my phone. And quite frankly, I didn't want to share those. It's not like I came back on social media, like, here's a recap of our summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sharing things that we did as I feel called to share, but I won't, there will not be a recap. And there are some things that just yeah. meant were meant to be lived yeah. and not shared. Holy moments in that moment. How was, um, speaking of launching your second, how was mm-hmm. that? <laughs> it was <Okay>. hard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to cry. Oh. Um, yeah. You know, the, the thing is, is that people always say, oh, well, you know, it should be easier. Like you've right. done this before, but I'm not launching the same kid. Mm. And the, the aftermath, we call it the, um, the reverberations of what the household looks like when another mm. child leaves. Yeah. They each have their own unique gifts, talents, gifts that they give the family. And when yeah. they leave, 
they are now blessing a whole other community with that. But we are all grieving in a very different way the mm. loss of another kid leaving. Right. In fact, one of my good friends, she has seven boys. One of her youngest boys, when when their second one left, he said, wait, you mean they all leave? Oh, oh, and it just gosh. broke me. I was like, oh, I can't. Oh. Because the little ones, you know, because... You spend all these years pouring into your family, whether you work in or outside the home, you, mm. you pour into your family, you lay the foundation, you love your kids. Mm-hmm. And our goal is to get them to go out into the world and do what God needs them to do. Right. So I've mentioned this before, but it's the simultaneous bursting and breaking of your heart, bursting with pride in what God is asking them to do, but breaking because, oh my gosh, I can't believe I have to say goodbye to another one, at least the day-to-day stuff. However... There's some really great things that happen on the other side of having adult kids. The conversations that I can now have with my two oldest boys are so much fun. <laughs> and my oldest can now take me out for margaritas when necessary. <laughs> and we talk about big stuff. And yeah. we have these real adult men. And they're awesome to be around. Yeah. And they have gone through some really difficult things. And I have no doubt that God will present them with more crosses in their lives, as yeah. He does all of us. But... It is, it is a new, like there's a morning period. I mean, I sobbed all the way home after mm, dropping him off. Yeah. As a matter of fact, when the I said goodbye to away. him. I, I never thought about the driving away until recently. Well, and, to a friend and this year I had it. them both in the same hallway. They're both at oh, Texas they A&M. Are? That's cool. And so I said goodbye to John Paul. He's kid number two. And that was brutal. And then, but, but I did not, I was like, do not let the damn break in front of his friends. Like at yeah. least hold it together. Like yeah. don't let him see you completely losing it, wailing, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever. So then I go down the hall to tell my oldest Will goodbye. And when I gave him a hug, he said, boy, this feels like deja vu. And I could uh. feel the damn break. And a couple of guys were in his room and they're like, it's okay, Miss Whitaker. <laughs> they're like, you can do it. And I walked out that door and it is, it's the driving away. Yeah. There is some solace in knowing that where we're leaving them, they like this is where the place that they dreamed about being right, they right. wanted to be there since they were little boys so it's not like you're leaving in this they're like standing at the camp door like <laughs> mom what are you doing like they're yeah. like jumping for joy because they're finally in the place that yeah. they want to be so that's the joy and mm-hmm. the sorrow but the driving away is mm. yeah. and then gianna says she's our youngest why isn't john paul with us mommy <sighs> I and she can't. said, oh, that's right. He's not coming back with oh us. My oh, my God. Stop. Kill me over here. Oh, so wow. my Tessa is Gianna age, gra- age gap to your kids, I think. I think. We're 13 years from top okay, to bottom. Okay, so ours are 12. Okay. And then 11. So they're like, boom, boom. So she's going to have to do this twice in a row. Mm-hmm. She won't even let Ella go to the grocery store. <laughs> she's like, Ella was telling me this morning how she wouldn't let anybody get, out of, get her out of bed. Yeah. Except for her. She would go to the back of the wall and like, no, I need yeah. Ella. <laughs> and every morning it's like, are you going to school? Are you staying home? Who's going to mm-hmm. be with you? Where is everybody at every Where are my people? of her life? Where are my people? Whew, I can't yeah. handle But it. <laughs> I will say that having the two boys gone, so now we're mostly a household of girls. We have three boys and a girl. Oh, Or three girls and a boy. Now. And But I will say that when, when one leaves, it allows the oldest one to assume a new role mm-hmm. in the house of leadership. Yeah. And they flourish in a way that they would never have been able to flourish. Right had the other siblings been around in the day-to-day sense. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, there's also some really fruitful things that happen when a child launches into the world wherever mm-hmm. they go. Yeah. And so God in His infinite wisdom gives us moments to detach from our children, slowly yeah. but surely. We and, and in life, we learn to detach from yeah. our 
our pride and our vanity. Like mm-hmm. we learn, you know, as we age, you have our to detach yourself. <laughs> yeah, so the pretty. fact that I'll never fit back in my jeans, Preciana. I mean, we have to detach ourselves from these things. And yeah. so in, in the sense, when you make the larger detachments that you've been practicing a life of detachment and a reliance on him. Mm-hmm. So it's this detachment from what I want, but a reliance on it. But I know that if I love them this much, but God created them and loves them infinitely more than I can possibly imagine, I know that they will be okay. Mm-hmm. So it's a surrender, a daily surrender, but also the gratification that you see when you see them do the things or like when the lesson takes hold and they look at you and say, thanks for that. You think, oh my gosh, wow. that one took, that <laughs> one stuck. It's it's so great. And it's almost a glimpse of what, I mean, I have to think God feels when when we detach from something and we attach ourselves to him, that, he, that he's like, they, mm-hmm. they did it. They're doing it. So it's the love of the father. I yeah. think that you mm-hmm. see when you launch kids like that, it's just a tangible lesson and what spirituality means. Yeah, so speaking of launching kids, um, I've always looked up to you in your parenting. Um, I need some advice. <laughs> Go for it. So, okay. Um, how do you instill selflessness in your children? Like our kids are really struggling with the selfish bug. And at the same time, like I was reflecting on this yesterday, you know, when they ask me to do something, sometimes I do it, but then also I need to encourage them to be mm-hmm. self-sufficient. And so I'm like, no, you need to do it. Then am I showing them selfishness and like, no, I'm not going to do that. You could do it yourself. You know, it's been a battle. It's been a big battle. Any thoughts? <laughs> well, I mean, I think sometimes we have a lesson that we know the fruitfulness of the lesson. Mm-hmm. And we think if they will just do it this way, one, their life will be easier. And also, won't it be so great when they learn the lesson? But I think what I'm learning in parenthood is it's not about perfection, mm-hmm. but it's about continuing to teach the lesson. So it's about progress. So are they less selfish in eighth grade than they were in seventh grade? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you'll backtrack because there's a, we call it the jerk face. They go through the jerk <laughs> face. And so sometimes they backtrack just like a baby regresses when in okay. sleeping, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're like, all this progress. So it's not a straight shot. It's a little bit more of a crooked mm-hmm. space. But I think if you give them opportunities to see other circumstances Mm -hmm. where people have sacrificed and then they can see the fruit of that, maybe it's through a community service project that you do, or maybe it's another family and maybe they have a child who requires a lot of their emotional bandwidth and their family and they can see how fruitful that can be. I think it's more about exposure and encounter. Mm -hmm. And so over the course of time, as they get older, you begin to say, oh, they're less selfish because they've been practicing the gift of being selfless. Mm -hmm. So I wish I could tell you that there's like, if you just do A, B, and C, they will no longer be bratty and selfish and be (laughs) like, whatever, mom. Um, And that they will begin begin to be more grateful. But um, we have a sign in our office and it says... um, Gosh, I'm blanking on what it says. Hold on, it'll come to you. But anyways, it's talking about basically... um, don't complain because there's gratitude on all things. So mm. there's this opportunity for them to practice gratitude, which I think is sort of the antidote mm-hmm. to being selfish. Yeah, I think yeah. So too. Is being grateful. And so sometimes when they'll say things, oh, I can't believe we have to go to mass. We'll say, but isn't it great that we get to go to mass? Yeah, I we do say that, that all the time. <laughs> so it's a little bit of Catholic guilt. <laughs> yeah. But I think that part of parenthood is showing them where the gratitude is mm-hmm. so that then over time, then they will start to own Oh, and, and I think sometimes that it's easier for them to, to see gratitude with another sibling in yeah. a sense like, oh, you should be more grateful for that. And I'm like, and also you right. should be more grateful <laughs> for that. So they're always quick to point out that for yeah, other people. Yeah. But I think just be consistent 
mm-hmm. and just keep just keep doing it. The the sacrificial part, at least of love and motherhood, doesn't pay off for a long time. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And it's meant to be that way. Because if your kids always loved you, yeah. Where's yeah. where's the sacrifice there? So I think mm-hmm. that's when they test you or when you are on your knees in your closet saying, Jesus, mm-hmm. I love this kid so much, but can you please throw me a life preserver mm-hmm. that that you start to learn like how deep is your love? And so you're just now starting to lay the foundation of that for your kids. Mm. So it takes time. Okay. Yeah. For Thank me, you. one of the things I always go back to whenever our family would get really like just feisty and grouchy and grumpy is a place of service. Because mm. remember that scripture that I love, Isaiah 58, where he says, you know, this is what is the fast that I desire that you unbreak the chains of those who are held captive, that you feed the hungry, that you, you know, reach out to the poor. And then when you do that, then your light will shine. Mm. And when you call, I will answer and I will be there. And so we used to call it like navel gazing. So like we would get to a point of like, woe is me. Life is terrible. And even in like hard times of suffering in our lives, I wouldn't even say it was just like selfish times, but like deep, deep suffering. Yeah. That was the best time for us to go, you know what? We're going to like go out and serve a different family, or Mm -hmm. we're going to take care of the people down the street, or we're going to do a project for mobilism fishes. And then it like shifted the whole mindset Mm -hmm. of our house towards, Mm -hmm. and it's like, they go from looking down at their own belly buttons and like being concerned about me to like shifting their eyes back up to what's out there and what's in the world. That's helpful. And I think I, I used to do a much better job of that when we were a homeschool family. <laughs> we had time. I know, yeah. It's, it's but a now that we're not, it's different. Game. But there's right. like little things that, you know, like my kids, their favorite thing right now is to make cookies for the old people down the street. Oh. I think those old people do not need any more cookies. <laughs> they really, really don't. That's and I'm cute. like, it's probably not on their diet that their doctor would recommend. <laughs> but if that gives them a reason to serve yeah. somebody else, then, yeah. you know, like little, it doesn't have to be a huge yeah. ta-da. Give me some little, little things. Yeah, well, no, I think good. the prayer of action... You know, there's a reason why in the mass that we're so busy, there's kneeling, there's standing, mm. you know, we're genuflecting, we're making the sign of the cross. It's a tangible faith. It's a prayer. It's a, mm. it's a process of action. And I think that when you sit still, there are moments of stillness that you need to have, but I think mm. God also asks us to take the stillness, whatever it is that he needs to pour in us. And then he asks us to go do something yeah. with that. And yeah. so it could be a simple thing as, so I'm going to take a walk and I'm going to pray as I take the walk, or I'm going <laughs> to really think hard about how I love this kid in this moment that they are making it very difficult to love them. <laughs> but I think it's, it's, a, it's a movement of the body, yeah. whether it's a small movement or a big movement. I think when we move our bodies, um, it reminds us that, that our prayers are, are required, that action is required of that. Mm-hmm. So that's good. it looks different for every family. And I mean, I wish there was a, actually, I don't, I mean, I think people wish that there was a rubric if I do these yeah. 10 things, then my <laughs> kids will turn out this way. Right. But the human experience is that we all have different crosses given to us mm-hmm. for different reasons. And we have to navigate through those. And I think sometimes we'll fault people for, well, I can't believe they said this. I can't believe they did this. And I'm like, well, I think you probably need to show them some mercy. Because the last time I yeah. checked, nobody had a straight shot, shot, shot to Jesus. Yeah. It's always a little bit of a crooked line. So instead of bemoaning their path, Man, just mm-hmm. keep supporting them, keep encouraging them, keep loving them, keep witnessing to them, because eventually, God willing, they will get to heaven. But mm-hmm. if you keep cutting them off at every pass of which you think they're making the wrong decision, and this goes with our kids too, how are they ever going to get to heaven? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and if everything was laid out for us and perfect, then we wouldn't need to learn to surrender. <laughs> and yeah, and rely on the, the Lord. Yeah, the rely on the Lord part. Like uh-huh. we wouldn't need 
to well, we'd already trust in him. Right. Like everything yeah. would be easy, but it's those little moments of, like you said earlier, like pruning our hearts mm-hmm. that allow him to enter into a new way that we wouldn't, gosh, I think of so much, how much I've changed in marriage and motherhood. And that's not to say that if you're not married or you don't have children, that God's not speaking to you because he is in a totally different way. But for me, that was my big pruning was mm. continual sacrifice and suffering in our family. And it stinks and I don't want it, but it's so good at the same time. And yeah. I think the same is true. Like you're saying with launching kids and with all the little things, it's like, Oh, can't they just be happy all the time? They have to go through a jerk phase, right. have to be part of teenage life. <laughs> but I guess it's part of us letting the refining go too. fire. It's yeah. It's fire refining hurts. for all of us. Right. It's pure gold. It is funny because my older kids will look at me and say, Oh, I can't believe so-and-so said that. And I'll look at them and say, you know, you did the same thing. And they're like, really? No way. They're like, I was like that. And Scott and I, my husband, I'll look at each other and say, yes, yes, yes you were. And we survived. Yeah. Everyone is still here. And they come back around. We they still love their you. Senses, and they come back to They being... circle back and they grow up and they become delightful human beings. I loved what you said this morning about never say these things to your middle schoolers. I watched that right before you walked in. I was like, that's funny. She was like, never say. You look nice today. Good Good morning. <laughs> It's a list of like things that you should never say to your children. Good morning. You look nice. Take here. Let me get the door for you. I love you. Don't say those things to your children. Because it's just recipe for disaster. (laughs) I had a mom message me and she said one time she told her son, I love that shirt on you. And he promptly went back and hung it back up on the hand. Oh my goodness. That sounds about right. Oh my goodness. We have not gotten to that phase yet. Thank goodness. And I keep thinking. For some kids, it's a short phase. Some kids, it's longer. (laughs) Some kids, they backtrack a little. You just never know. <laughs> oh, goodness. That's oh, so funny. that's so funny. <sighs> I want to go into encounter. Yeah. You, yeah. You said the word encounter. Um, and it, I just want to hear since the last time, you know, we had you on the podcast, um, where have been some places of encounter for you or, um, you've seen the Lord just reach out and encounter people in a deep way. I think there were a lot of opportunities this summer when you give him space to have encounter, then mm. you begin to see encounter sort of everywhere. Mm. Um, I think sometimes our, our tendency is that we get busy in our day. And so we put aside time for Jesus. I'll mm. pray at three o'clock. We'll go to mass on Sunday. We'll do evening prayer together. And I think instead I've been looking at my day of and I think it's easy too. you have a to-do list, right, of things to do. And then you run into someone and you're like, oh, I have like four minutes and then yes. I have to get to the next thing. But instead, I've been looking at Jesus and being like, all right, well, I'm assuming, rightfully so, I hope, that it is that you know what you're doing with my life. And so today, if this person has come into my life, and I'm not saying you shouldn't have good, healthy boundaries, but if someone comes into your life and you look at Jesus and you're like, all right. Mm -hmm. So let's do this. So I think what I'm starting to see is that my day has become much more um, open to receiving encounter. Mm -hmm. Whereas before I would be like, okay, so we're going to talk to this person at this time. I'm going to do this at this time. And instead I'm like, well, let's see what Jesus has in store for the whole day instead of just between the hours of three and five. Just docility. That's so hard to do. It is. I think that's like, and I'm not saying you you should be like, I have six kids. We have a busy day, but I think just even in in small ways, like how am I responding to to this person in an email? Because there's times that I'm Mm. like, for the sweet love, if I get, (laughs) because I just came from a room parent meeting. I did too. (laughs) And I had to take a breath. And remember, Catherine, remember when you had a bunch of itty bitties and you were involved in the school and they were in second grade 
you cared about a lot of things, fast forward <laughs> 10 years, and you care about very different things in very yeah. different ways. So don't rob them of this moment to learn. But it took a lot of detachment and surrender <laughs> for me to be like, it's all like, I wanted to stand up and be like, don't overthink it. The end. That's how you be a room mom. <laughs> but um, I think that what I'm starting to learn is, all right, so how am I responding to someone? I'm, I'm much more aware of the way in which people receive what I say. Mm. And I don't say that like, oh, you should be more politically correct. No, I think you should see the human person better mm. because we live in a world that people feel like you should be in on one side or the other, yeah. anti this, pro that, instead of saying, well, I would really like to get to know you as a human being. Why is yeah. it that you believe that? Why is it that that hits you this way? And so I think when you start to see the human person, you allow yourself encounter, but you also allow yourself to see the day in a very different way. So it doesn't mean that I'm not still doing my to-do list. I'm not still yelling at my kids. I'm still making dinner. But I think the disposition of the heart has been, has been changed and it makes my days not harder or easier, but much more intentional, which has really sort of been my thing all along. But I see the intentionality of what God is doing. Like mm-hmm. I'm beginning to see like, okay, yep, I see what you're doing here. I definitely don't like it, but <laughs> I'm 100% going to go along with it. I'm probably going to cuss at you in the closet later, but let's just do this thing. And so I think it's just a, I think it's just a disposition that changes, not so much that I have become more holy. I have just become more open to receiving. Yeah. We always hear people say, you know, pray without ceasing. Let the, yeah. let the entire day be your prayer. And I love that image. And I love that idea. But then I get sidetracked and I forget. Mm-hmm. And I want to be in a place where like, I'm just constantly in communication with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Like Esther, <laughs> like our friend Esther will just stop a conversation and like have a moment with the Holy Spirit and then come back to the conversation. And we're like, oh, Esther's down. <laughs> she's <laughs> she's having a conversation. But I'm, I, but I still kind of like set aside that time in the morning for that. Yeah. And honestly, I haven't been very good about setting aside my time. Yeah. I've like been distracted. And so I don't know. I'm just, I, that, that's my goal. But I think you that. should look at your life um, as your life. Yeah. That God is going to encounter you and ask different things of you than even your best friend or the person that you right. see a lot, that that our, our our spirituality shouldn't necessarily be compared or contrasted to someone else's, but mm-hmm. that you say, if this is how, like, I pray when George Strait comes on, because I love George Strait. <laughs> and I know there's a lot of people that listen to, like, praise and worship all the time, but I'm a country girl. Yeah. And so that's how I... That's how we do Jesus in our car. Like, yeah. I'm not going to be the mom that's going to shut off the radio and have everyone pray, pray Hail Mary. Um, and that's okay. We do that yeah. on vacation. But, I mean, I think you have to just own who you are, own who God created you to be, and just lean into your own yeah. spirituality and how He needs you to serve the people in right. your life. Mm-hmm. And let other people do it their way. And you can be inspired. You can be encouraged by that and maybe even adopt some of the things that they do. But if you're doing them because you want to be more like them mm. or you think that's the way you should do it. Yeah. It doesn't work that no. way. Like it's going to burn out and then you're going to be yeah. like, well, this was a terrible. Yeah. No, I just want more failure. Jesus. I just want more. <laughs> well, don't we all? Yeah. You know, like I want more. I want to be more in tune. It's not even about being like other people. For me, it's more just like, I love those moments. Yeah. I so deeply desire that connection. I love it so much. But then I walk away from it and forget about it. You know what I mean? It's like, why do yeah. I do that? Why don't I just like, why can't I access him more when I know he's so open to yeah. He, like he's just waiting for me. Yeah. And then I forget. But I also keep thinking that when the kids are all in school, then I'll have more time. <laughs> so that time is now. <laughs> I can assure you that no, it's you will have the same amount of time. 
it will just look it right. will be in different pockets. Different? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay yeah. then. <laughs> There's no station. You don't get to the station. Yeah. Okay. Um do you, do you know about Shia LaBeouf and his conversion and everything? I do. I have some Did you watch about the... that. Okay, I'm dying to talk about Shia. Okay, me too. I'm but, dying. Okay, so just maybe a little leeway into this. Um Not leeway. Lead in. Lead in. Backstory. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. There go. <laughs> My advocate cold and sinuses. It's okay. Oh, yeah. We forgot to tell you guys. Kendra has been sick, so she sounds a little different. That's why. Yes, 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 yes. Um, with, with you talking about seeing people where they are and loving them where they are and being more open, I just think about his story and mm. how he, you know, got this role to play Padre Pio and went and just sat in his – slept in his car, I think, at the – how do you say Kip? Capuchin. Capuchin. Um, with the Capuchin Friars and how they just didn't care who he was and just invited him in um, to live amongst them. And like that built such a beautiful relationship. And I'm just thinking about, um, and now we can see the fruits of it, you know, um, Lord willing, it just deep roots plant. Um, but just seeing how you walking day to day and interacting with people that you didn't even think would be on your radar, you know, coming into your, your life. Um, how you are presenting those moments as well of welcoming them in and being an agent of, um, I guess, inspiration or just pointing them towards the love of Christ. And it's really a, a, a good, I think, in a, a big picture way for us to see the impact that that can have. Yeah. Um, well, when I watched that, story. that, um, story it blew my mind (laughs) Mm -hmm. but what I kept thinking is what a perfect example of just inviting someone into their life and into the faith like there was no agenda when they invited him in and um they just continued to live their life and live their faith and and love the Lord so out loud that he couldn't help but be moved by the beauty of their faith and I kept thinking, what would that look like in our world? And I think that's what you're saying is what she's doing right. is what that looks like. Yeah. Day to day. In a day to day life. How transformative. Because I'm going to tell you, I thought for sure I need to send all my kids to that friary when they're 18 and they just need to go <laughs> live there for like three months and then come back. But I guess that's not really going to happen. So we have to figure out how we can bring that back to our world. But I think that's what you're doing, right? Kind of. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll comment directly about Shia um, first because... And this is probably a little bit controversial. No, it's okay. You can be controversial because I I have thoughts about that too. (laughs) I appreciate always when someone has a conversion experience and is drawn closer to Christ. Mm -hmm. That to me, that is always showing the love of of God the Father. That 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 anyone and anything is redeemable. Mm -hmm. So I'll start there because I think that I think that's worth noting. Really far gone. However, I do think that we have a tendency in our culture to pedestalize people and Mm -hmm. that we look at them and say, oh, isn't this so great? And look at all the stuff we do it with celebrity priests. We do Mm -hmm. it with Mm -hmm. a bunch of people. And I think it's unhealthy because truly if he has had, as he says, he is this life-changing conversion Mm -hmm. experience. I think the real test of time will be in a few months, a few years, if the people that surround him, close friends, close family, are so encouraged by the joy that they see in him that they are then inspired enough to seek out the same joy. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's not enough for someone to be like radically transformed. The cynic in me is like, 
but what else is there? Is this a yeah. publicity stunt? Is this, I don't, I don't know that. I don't know him personally. So because he's not a real life friend of mine, I can't comment on that. But what I can say is that I think that we need to look further and look at that person and say, but who are they affecting? Yeah. And, and is that, are, are they becoming even, even more joyful, even more close to Christ? And are the people that they're, that surround them also doing the same? Mm-hmm. Because if that's not happening, then I'm not sure that I truly believe that the conversion was what it should be because God calls us to evangelize. So if we are truly transformed, then you would hope that the people around us would be so drawn to that, that they too would also be evangelized and also transformed. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm I'm not a huge fan of taking this one celebrity, this one priest, mm-hmm. this one person being like, but look at all the things that they did. And this is so amazing. And we should shout it from the rooftops. Mm-hmm. He's famous. So I think that's, I mean, I had to Google him. So I didn't know who he was before. <laughs> He doesn't mean anything to me because so, I've never seen any of those movies. I mean, I do th- I do think that there is worth in saying, particularly when someone has a platform, of using that as inspiration. But I think there is a very fine line mm-hmm. between idolatry and inspiration. Mm-hmm. So I'm still very much in the camp of, mm-hmm. I would like to wait and see how this all yeah. plays out before yeah. I shout it from the rooftops. I, I so completely that's agree where, with you. I think that's where I am. What, what really inspired me, again, was kind of the, the flip side of his story of how it came about and how he was received. You know, I think that's the lesson we can take away mm-hmm. right now. Um, Cause I agree with you, you know, it could be shallow roots and then whenever a trial comes might not right. stick mm-hmm. um, and we can just pray for him. Um, but it is beautiful to see yeah. how we are called to mm-hmm. reach out to people that we think are unredeemable um, or that they're a right. lost cause or right. that why bother. Um, and it, and it goes back to that encounter of how, how are we opening wide the doors to cross? Mm-hmm. Are we making people's decisions before we ever ask them? Mm-hmm. You know, are we making up their minds for them? So I do think that there is the other side of that story is that we should all be so welcoming. We should all be so generous. We should all be so merciful uh, with whoever is in our life, famous or not. Um, mm-hmm. God doesn't really care about that part of it. We do on earth, but he not so much at all, actually. Yeah. So I think that that part of it should be encouraging to us that I would hope that we don't shy away from talking about yeah. the things that transform us in our faith because we assume that someone's going to take them one way or another. Yeah. yeah. Well, and not in a bad way, but like in a generous, merciful I want you to know this, not I'm going to speak my truth and you need to hear it because it's Jesus. Because <laughs> right, I right. think that's arrogant and yeah, turns people off. Yeah. I think that your life and the words that you speak and how you live your life should be should be the thing that draw people in. Mm-hmm. Because people, I don't, I don't want to be around an angry or a better Christian. Mm-hmm. Sorry, not interested mm-hmm. in that because mm-hmm. Christianity can be joyful. There's definitely struggle in it, but why would I want to join something that's not joyful? Yeah. So I think that's our call to be joyful um, in the life that God gives yeah, us. Yeah, for sure. Well, what blew me away about it was the fact that he was even in the running to be Padre Pio in the first place. Yeah. I was like, of all the people in the world that you could have chosen, why? Why him? Because he's still very currently in a lot, you know, legal battles. He has all sorts of allegations running all mm-hmm. over the place. So all I can think of is two things. One, either like God desired his heart so dearly mm-hmm. that he was like, I'm going to put you in this place for this huge conversion. Or two, he randomly got chosen as Padre Pio. And then Padre Pio was like, uh-uh, if you're going to, if you're going to be me, <laughs> then we're going to have this conversion. And he, he made it happen. Either way, I do feel like it's just such a shocking, um, it's just such a shocking conversion. And, and they even talk about in the, the recording, all these saints who've gone through, like one of them they were talking about that Shia was talking about, 
he murdered his pregnant wife. Yeah. I'm like, what? And then he ends up in a friary and changes his entire life. And so like, that's always the goal of of the Christian life is to see that type of radical conversion happen. Now I agree with you. We do not need to put him on a pedestal. He does not need to be speaking at every Catholic summit for the next. (laughs) Like that does not need to be happening. He needs to continue with his faith and continue with his growth. But just listening to him explain the mass, I was like, he explains the mass better than almost anybody I know because he's coming at it from such a pure place. He had never learned any of this. He had never opened the gospels, but he did argue with Catholics and tell them how wrong they were because of his arrogance. Like he, yeah. his, he, and he talks so genuinely about his ego and how his ego got in the way and how God like stripped that down. But for me, there was just such a purity about the way he was catechized. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I just feel like there's so much as Catholics that we can learn from that experience that he had not put him on a pedestal, but what was it that allowed the beauty of the faith to shine through for him? Mm-hmm. And how do we let more people around the world access that purity yeah. of the Catholic faith? Something that I saw as well was the level of accompaniment. That yes, that's a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. He said, he was like, I, they didn't know who I was. I was just eating their ice cream. <laughs> He's like <laughs> sisters and brothers. He's like, I was yeah, just sitting in their, yeah. in their houses and, and they were just showing him love. And then yeah. they they deeply brought him into their faith and their life and step-by-step step walked him through the scriptures mm-hmm. and step-by-step step, like, and I get that we don't have enough time in Catholic churches right now to like catechize children that way. <laughs> that doesn't really happen. But what a, what a gift to even, if we could even draw a little bits of it uh, mm-hmm. and bring that back into our daily life as yeah. parents, as, you know, our call to evangelization. Like, yeah. I guess, I guess a part of it too, that was, that was so great to me. It was like, no one is too far gone. Yeah. No one is too far gone for the love of Christ. And I think we need to shout that message. Like that needs to be something that we hope for. We mm-hmm. want people to be turned back to him. And even if he falls off the wagon in a year, he may come back in three years. And right. that is yeah. still a win. That mm-hmm. is still a good thing. Like he has been shown the love of Christ for the first time in his entire life. And we all know, even with like our college age kids, they run away, right? And they may walk away from their faith for six, seven, eight years, mm-hmm. but the seeds that were planted are still planted and there's still hope for that return. Yeah, for sure. And so, I don't know, it just, it gives me a lot of energy to want yeah. to like, I just, I think I so dearly want people to experience that true, genuine heart of the father. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he, he experienced that yeah. in a place of deep, deep, deep suffering in a place where like he had no way out. He had no other, he could not pull himself up by, by his bootstraps. He was so far gone. Mm-hmm. All he could do was say, Lord, lift me up. And I just, yeah, it was to- just this, this, this radical pursuit yeah. that, you know, we have a relationship with the Lord and we know what he's capable of because he's done it in our own hearts and right. the, the people we've seen. And so it's like, okay, good. Another person, like we, we know, um, just how God pursued him so intentionally and so beautifully, um, that you just can't help but celebrate that, you know, and, and like want that for every person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I've yeah. told you guys this, that I was at Padre Pio's canonization. What? No, please tell. Oh. I was in, are you a Padre Pio fan? So our oldest took Padre Pio's his confirmation saint. So wow. we were in Rome with our high school kids from our youth group. This is when we lived in Indiana. And so this was in 2002. I think mine 
I think that's my math is right. So 2002, we had been in 2000 for the Jubilee year, came back in 02, realized after we had planned the trip that they had announced the canonization. So we completely reoriented our trip so that we were in Rome at a different time. And so we were in the square. And, wow. and at the time, so remember, I've only been Catholic at this point five years, five mm-hmm. and a half years. And we had one baby, Will, who at the time was 15 months old. So we go and I, it was ridiculously hot because yeah. it was in June yeah. and they had the water cannon shooting. I think every, <laughs> usually on his feast day, every once in a while, I'll, I'll put up on social media, like what we were doing there. But we, of course we couldn't understand anything. It was all in Italian and I was so miserable. And I remember one of the gals on the trip, she was one of our other adult volunteers. And she said, Catherine, someday you're going to be really glad that you were here. <laughs> and I like, looked at, maybe. and I looked at Lynn and I said, well, not today. <laughs> And so you were not like taking it all in at that moment. So sometimes you uh, go to a place and you don't fully appreciate it until yeah, after it's over. Yeah. So it wasn't until, so usually when I tell people, oh, we were at his canonization, they're like, what? So it was really, <laughs> it was hot and it was miserable. But I do remember that the people that brought up the gifts um, during the mass were were priests and people that he had actually, wow. like they knew him. He was their confessor. And I do remember at that time thinking, that's pretty, because most of the saints that I knew yeah. or knew about, it had been hundreds of years since mm-hmm, they lived. Right. So to have a saint be so recent and to have people there that knew him yeah, right. and are part of the mass was very powerful. Yeah. And of course, the people that received the miracles that allowed him to be beatified and then canonized were both present. Oh, wow. And I do remember from a distance thinking, that's pretty incredible. Like this is... This is uh, real. <laughs> on, on a on a higher level, I was uh, I was present and saw some of the beauty of that. But certainly, yeah. it's been years later that I reflect on that day and think that is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah, I have some moments like that being Catholic convert too. Like I just didn't get it at the time, you know. But there's like I was just so like, oh, much happening. We're here. And, it's out of yeah. mass. Pope John Paul, whatever. Like <laughs> whatever. Everyone's here. All these saints. It's fine. <laughs> so it wasn't until much later, obviously, that I saw. Yeah. the uh the real beauty of all that but yeah i'm a big fan of padre pio um he you know there's some saints that really do just kind of stalk you and follow yeah. you and he's certainly been one i read the book uh, man of hope mm-hmm. which kind of blew my mind that someone could love jesus that deeply yeah. so i'm a big fan yeah. yeah i need to learn more about padre pio He's a powerhouse. Yeah. I have a book if you're going to borrow it. Oh, you be, do? Yeah. Be careful, be careful yeah. when you ask for his intercession because yeah. <laughs> he does not mess around. So My goodness. Well, they were talking about how he didn't let women in if their ankles were showing in the confession. And I was like, my ankles are always showing. <laughs> <laughs> but if I could only channel his ability to bilocate. I've right? been asking him that as a mom for years. Yeah. If I could be at this piano thing and this basketball thing right. at the same time. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I haven't figured out how to channel his bilocation. What struck me in the book is they talked about his spiritual fatherhood and how you can ask him specifically to be your spiritual father. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, even now? Uh-huh. Not just people who knew him. Wow, yeah, cool. yeah. And I kind of, that whenever I heard Shia's testimony, I was like, oh, yeah. Or that you could be in confession with him and he would look at you and be like, and also what about this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, we know a couple of priests who do that still. <laughs> like now. They're channeling their project. <laughs> they are. Right? They're, they're... Well, but I think it goes back to that he is a saint that reminded us to see the human person. Mm-hmm. That that for him, I mean, it, because he would spend hours, unending hours in the confessional, is that he believed in God's mercy. And I think that that reminds us to look past some of the things that, that we judge people with or that we think that we could never be friends with them or we could never have a relationship with them. And God keeps gently reminding us, like, 
see, see past that, see, see them. I think as a matter of fact, it was in the readings this weekend, see them as I see them, you know, how do you see people? Do you see them? And that takes work and surrender Mm -hmm. and a lot of faith and trust. But I think that's one thing that I was really drawn to Padre Pio about is that every person that walked into his confessional to him was a unique individual created by God. And how could he be a good spiritual father, a good confessor to them? And, um, he believed it was important and that's why he spent all those hours in the confessional. Mm -hmm. So it matters. He's a good one. Yeah. Holly recommends. Yeah. (laughs) Seriously. I hope that this movie, when it comes out, changes hearts. Like I really, yeah. really do. And I know he has a whole lot of bad press around him still, Shia does, and the rest of Hollywood is still not in love with him. But hopefully people will come out and watch that movie and hopefully mm-hmm. it will draw people who maybe would have never stepped foot into a movie about a Catholic saint before. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Because Padre Pio is powerful. Yeah. And the more people that get to experience him. For sure. Like I can yeah. just see the the ripple effect from that. So Yeah, for sure. All right. So you ready to do what's God doing in your heart? Yeah. Do you want to go first? Me? Yeah. Okay, sure. Um, so I... We haven't done this in a while, but We right. haven't, I know. <laughs> um, I feel the Lord is allowing me to experience a bit of spiritual desolation. Mm. Um, and it's good and it's okay. And and I think it's part... I was kind of reflecting on this last night in adoration. And um, in part, it's, you know, my schedule has changed, you know, summer's over. Um, kids are back in school, coaching volleyball. And, and so my spiritual life looks differently. Um, but at the same time, I feel like in this season, he's, he's allowing me to see little nuggets of consolation without the big feels. And I love the big feels. Mm -hmm. I want the big feels of, you know, I love the big feels. Um, so it's just a season of resting in this and just, um, allowing myself to, to be fed deeply by those moments. Um, and just, I don't know, just trying to remain faithful as much as I can. Um, knowing that he loves me, even though I don't feel, you know, the tingles, Yeah, you know, so that's a hard place to be. That's a good place to be. It is. Yeah. Yeah. But that's good. good. Yeah. How about you, Catherine? Um, you know, I think over the summer, I learned that it's important for me to get, have good boundaries. And, um, I think when you have boundaries, you allow yourself to be in a healthy place. And so I think over the course of the summer, and certainly as we move into the fall, what does that look like? Practically speaking, who do I allow to speak truth into my life? Who do mm-hmm. I surround myself with? Uh, what things do I read? You know, what things do I say to my kids? So I think it's that, I don't know. I think that we sometimes will allow ourselves to be in unhealthy situations because we say that we're being merciful when Mm. really we're just being used as a doormat or someone, Mm. you know, it's an opportunity for them to be abusive in whatever way. And so I think it's good that we have boundaries because not only do they allow us to have good, healthy relationships, but it also allows us space to let God speak to us. And I don't think that I would have had the silence or the ability to do some really good deep healing work this summer had I not put up good boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I know people say that and it becomes like this buzzword, but I think that there are, and and again, like people that I know in my real life who keep saying, Oh, this is a good, healthy thing. Regina Boyd, who's with Boyd counseling or Dr. Larry Metnall. Um, he's a child psychiatrist. I think those are some of the people that I look to often sister Josephine Garrett, um, how do you live a gospel life, but also do it within the parameters of you being in a good, healthy place? Mm-hmm. And That's I think really I think that people like that are reminding me 
focus, Catherine, like where does God need you to be in this moment and and why? Mm -hmm. And starting to ask those questions. But I'm also in a season of life where I have the time to do that. Um, 10 years ago when hugging kids <laughs> under the age of 15, I did not have the ability. I was, I was living my faith in a very different way, but I think in this season, I think that's what he's asking of me and to be unafraid to enforce the boundaries because it allows for more fruitful relationships. Right. Yeah. It's not a cutting off, but rather I think it's a pruning that allows you to flourish mm-hmm. as opposed to just shutting everybody out. Yeah, um, and it's difficult with the people that you have the boundaries with for them, for them to see it that way, mm-hmm. but I see it that way. And I know that I know that the work that God is doing here is good and fruitful. That's, That's good. so good. What about you, awesome. Megan? Well, so the Lord's teaching me something over the past <laughs> couple of weeks. So when school starts, there's just so much coming at us. And we've got baseball and volleyball and theater and tennis and just schoolwork and all the things. And I think over the past couple of years, my family has been like in such a crisis mode that I end up having to like hold everybody together all the time. And, and it's more than I can physically handle. You know, and so the Lord's like, I need you to give them to me. I need you to let me have them. But the kids and everybody keep giving their stuff to me, not to him. <laughs> and I'm like, Could you? That's hard because I'm still the one who has to deal with all the little things. Um, but the other day at mass, uh, Father Francisco was preaching about carrying your cross, I guess. And he said, you're not supposed to carry your kid's cross. They have to carry themselves. You're supposed to carry your own cross. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, mm. I've been carrying that cross. And I don't even really know what that means necessarily, but I just started bawling. <laughs> what he said. And I was like, I've been carrying their crosses. Wow. Um, and, and they have heavy crosses. Like my kids yeah. have dealt with a lot. And some things at the beginning of the year can be triggering for us because like Ella's sick again. And she was really sick the last couple of years and she missed a lot of school and things like that. And she's not that sick right now. She just has a cold. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah, like it puts yeah. you back into that place of like fear. So I'm just going back through this like pruning and mm. laying things down and saying, God, you love them more than I love them. And and again, it's like one of those like whispers and a distraction from the enemy is to say that I have to hold everything mm. and that I have to grasp control and, and keep everything together. And if I don't, it's all going to fall apart. But none of that is true, mm. right? Like that's all, all lies. Um, so yeah, it's just one of those, it's been couple of weeks of like, oh, okay, we can do this. We can do this. And yeah. now I'm remembering that I can rest and yeah, and be held. And that's that's going to be a too. healing thing for you to go through as well. I think to be able to let go and do yeah. this process. Well, and I had been really good about that for a while till school started. Again. Right. Yeah. But we're also yeah. starting encounter soon yes. and I'm so excited about that. And I feel like that's just going to be a place for me to receive. Yeah. And I haven't really been in a place of receiving the past couple of weeks. And I know that when I'm not in a being place fed, where I, you can't be. when I'm not being fed is when I grasp the most, right? Like that's when I feel the need to yeah. hold on to everything. But when I'm in a place of really experiencing the Holy Spirit, then I have like this great trust and I can lay everything down. Not really, but I think it's better than <laughs> it is right now. So anyway, I don't think as your kids get older, you start to relinquish some of the cross to them, the, the things that they carry. Yeah. And you start to say, Things like oh, that, that looks really hard. How are you going to solve that? What are you going to do about mm. that? And so slowly you start to turn that over and give permission to them so that as they grow up and move out into the world, that they learn how to ask. We tell our kids the three things, go to mass, go to class and ask for help. Oh, that's and good. I love that. So in fact, that's what I spoke to college students about last week. <laughs> and it's about, you know, what found, firm foundation are you building? Go to mass, go to class. Are you teachable? And third, you know, ask for help. How are you building community? So mm, that whenever you do go through that. the hard things that you have, the foundation, you have the resources that you need to navigate through that. And so that's just sort of a slow process of 
you know, there are plenty of people that carry crosses for us when we weren't able to, and then eventually they gave them back to us because we were stronger. And now when we get them again, it looks very different because now we know what to do. So I think Mm -hmm. we're always teaching our kids to do the same. That's good. Well, and it's like my high school, middle school, my older ones that I Mm -hmm. carry the most for, Yeah, you know, so that's... Because we don't want them to suffer. Yeah. And I I think that's a big realization too, is like, I don't want them to feel any pain. So then I carry everything. But like life was really hard when I was in high school. (laughs) Like I think that's just part of life. So anyways. You're so full of wisdom. You are, girl. No, it's only because I I had good wise moms before me Mm -hmm. that I asked and I continue to um, ask a lot of questions of. But we're in a weird new season of motherhood and family Mm -hmm. and I don't know. I certainly never thought I would be on this side of it. I thought I was going to be changing diapers forever. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're filling out scholarship applications. Like it's just oh insane, but also really good. Yeah. It's a good season. Well, thank you for sharing your wisdom with mm-hmm. us and your heart. No, just, you guys are doing light. good stuff. Ooh. Oh, okay. So I have a couple of things. One sure. is you have been on the Busted Halo show this week, yes. which is super fun. Are you loving that so much? I had a lot of fun. I got to co-host all week last week and I just love Father Dave. And we had such good discussions about all sorts of things. And it's always fun to talk to someone that you admire and respect, and then you get to do it on live radio. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, we're catching up, but we're also talking about Jesus and we get to do it mm-hmm. and everybody else gets to listen. So it's just a joy. Um, Ooh, live radio. That just sounds scary. <laughs> scary. No, it's, it's not, it's not at all. It's no? just, okay. but, but I mean, well, you know what? It could be to some people, to me, it's just fun. You know, because, because really talk about complete and total surrender over to the Holy Spirit. You're like, right. Oh, yeah. Just I don't know what we're going to talk about. And I'm just going to see what happens here. So and, and, and also Father Dave is really good. He has been at this for a really long time. And so it's good radio because he works hard at it. Yeah. And so it makes it easier for me because I'm dealing with someone who is an yeah. absolute professional and a pro and it, um, it makes it all the much better. And I have zero pressure. Like I'm just, I just fill in from time to time. Yeah. Uh, sometimes when Brett's gone and, uh, we always have a good discussion. It's my favorite. I love That's it. That's awesome. So yeah. I asked on Instagram today, if anybody had any questions for you and Elda said, when are you going to have another book? When do we get <laughs> book number two? She wanted to know. <laughs> Well, my answer to that here lately has been, I think I'm still living what I need to write. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So when See, Jesus says. Was, that's just so <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. Well, and sometimes I, I feel like that. God yeah. walks us through all these <laughs> terrible situations so that we have wisdom yeah. to share with others. But that, that is a thing that, that Christian book authors say a lot is mm-hmm. the book that they wrote is what they experienced and what they needed to hear the most mm-hmm. because like God walked them through that. Well, trial. and I don't think it's helpful to either talk about or write about things that you haven't been healed from. Mm, I think you need perspective, which is why it took me so long after Luke was born. He Mm -hmm. was a big part of his prematurity experience was a big part of the book, but I needed space perspective Mm -hmm. that if I had written that book right after it had happened, you wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been good for me. And I don't think it would have been good for other people. So I think we have to give ourselves space to ponder. As a sister told me once, sometimes things are meant to be pondered, not talked about. And so, you know, as when you write a book, you have to think about what needs to be pondered and what needs to be written about. Mm, That's good. Okay. So maybe at some point. I'll let you know. I'll keep you posted. (laughs) We got your book lunch. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. We'll throw you a big old party. All right. Well, thank you so much, Catherine. This is so fun. Yeah. And what a fun way to kick off whatever season this is, our third year. (laughs) I I lost track a while ago. Super great. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
Hey friends, thank you so much for joining us today. We are so happy to be back. And you know what? We would love to connect with you. If you are not following us on Instagram or Facebook, come over, join us. We want to hear from you. Is there something in the podcast that spoke to you? Please let us know. It means the world to us um, when we get to hear the way that God is speaking to your hearts. So please share with us because sometimes we feel like we're just two best friends who speak into a microphone and no one hears it. (laughs) So it's so good to know that God is working in your hearts. And we'd love to just hear from you. If you have prayer requests, if you know of someone who'd be a great um, guest for our podcast, share that with us too. All right. See you next week.